somewhat our tradition here. If you do, uh, if we could just remain standing just briefly for the reading of the word. We're going to go to Joshua chapter 21 and Numbers chapter 35. Joshua chapter 21, Numbers chapter 35. Amen. If you don't have your Bible, you can just focus your attention up here to the screen. This is somewhat of a uh, an odd passage to come into today, but hopefully we'll understand the context here in just a little bit. This is Joshua chapter 21. This is the transition in the book. If you know anything about the book of Joshua, this is the book of conquests, the book that talks about the uh, children of Israel finally inheriting the promised land. Now, when they inherited the promised land, it was inhabited already. Uh, this is the land that was promised to them by God, but so there were people there, and so there were many battles that they had had to fight. The most famous of which, the Battle of Jericho. It's the first battle, but it wasn't the last. Same is so true with us. There's a lot of things that God's promised us, but it doesn't mean it's always going to be smooth sailing and easy going. There's some battles, though, that are worth fighting. There's some things that's worth going through them because God has promises on the other side. Right? We see that in the book of Joshua. And then it makes a transition here in chapter 21. He begins to parcel out the land to the people after this land has been conquered. And he's giving the land to the people of Israel. And this is a large nation by this point, millions of people. And he is divvying it up to these families. And he says here about these cities and specifically to the children of Aaron. Aaron being that high priest. These are the priests of the nation of Israel. He says that I give unto the children of Aaron the priests Hebron. Hebron was a city. He says I give you Hebron with her suburbs to be a city of refuge for the slayer. And Libna with her suburbs, and Jatir with her suburbs, and Eshtemoa with her suburbs, and Holon with her suburbs, and Debir with her suburbs, and Ain with her suburbs, Jutta with her suburbs, and Beshemesh with her suburbs. Nine of these cities out of those two tribes, and out of the t- tribe of Benjamin, Gibeon with her suburbs, and Geba with her suburbs, and Anathoth with her suburbs, and Almon with her suburbs. Four of these cities, and the cities the children of Aaron, the priests, or 13 cities with their suburbs. We could keep going, and it keeps uh, on this path and this um, seeing how the cities are given. And uh, we could bounce around to different places to see all of these cities of refuge that are given. And it's not just a city, but it's a city and its suburbs. Now, the book of Numbers, chapter 35 said we're just going to do these look at these two passages real quick numbers chapter 35 picks up some of the laws of these cities of refuge that i just read about this is in numbers 35 verse 26 it says if the slayer shall at any time come without the border of the city of his refuge whither he was fled and the revenger of blood find him without the borders of the city of his refuge and the revenger of blood Kill the slayer, he shall not be guilty of blood, because he should have remained in the city of his refuge until the death of the high priest. Amen. I already 
said it, but Scripture tells us to draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. And I'm going to do my very best to hurry today, but I'm going to even do more so my best to unburden my soul of what I feel the Lord has laid on my heart for this week, for this very gathering of people. God knew that you were going to be here today, and He laid a word on my heart that I hope that you would receive it, and I'm preaching on this topic today, the tape measure of God. The tape measure of God. If we could, I know we've been praying, but if we could just one more time, just extend our hands up to heaven, and I just want to ask the Lord, amen, to help us to receive this word. Lord, we thank you, God, that you have met us here in this place, God, that you've already done a work in our hearts and our minds. God, you've already, Lord, positioned us, Lord, for this very... uh, time, Lord, this very hour right now, Lord, to be able to receive your word. Lord, and I pray, God, that it would be able to fall on good ground. God, that it would fall on ready hearts. God, that you would prepare me, God, to deliver your word, Lord, and you would use me as your your voice today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated today. Thank you for standing. I do want to say also before I Get, uh, dive into this that if you do if we do have anybody in here that has young children we forgot to I keep forgetting to mention this but we do have our nursery that is open anybody zero to three if you uh, would like your kids to go back there we have that available for you today amen but this question of the mercy of God or the measure the tape measure of God it's a question to which the world in all of its sinfulness really Wishes that it had the answer to today. It's the question that every righteous parent wishes that they knew when their child strayed away from God. It's a question that every unholy person would like to know when they are sinning and they are wondering about the judgment of God. It's the question that every concerned pastor has when He has people that are beneath his ministry who are walking away or failing God and just seeming to leave the very, uh, very love that God had bestowed upon them or that, that's, that thirst for his, uh, for his presence. It's the question that every sinner's heart would like to know when they hear a message about the end of that, the end of our life. It's the question that every distant disciple wants to know when they're sitting with one foot or standing with one foot inside the church and one foot outside the church. And it's this question. What is God's tape measure for His mercy? And I know the first thing that ought to come to our mind when we talk about the mercy of God, and we cannot forget this, it is one of the first things that... We see about the mercy of God and that is his mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. And we get loaded up and start quoting, you know, all these things about the mercy of God. And I'm thankful that his mercy is everlasting. We think of David's famous 23rd Psalm where he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And in light of those things, it might seem absurd to ask the question, how far does God's mercy extend? Is there a point where His mercy runs out? You know, how far does His mercy go? And that's not really 
the question that I'm asking today, but rather, how great is His mercy? How great is the mercy of God? And I can tell you today that His mercy will go farther than my mind can comprehend. His mercy is greater than I can conceptualize in my mind. When I ask this question today, what is the measuring tool or what is the tape measure of God? I'm telling you that God will go to every length possible to get somebody back into his arms, back into his church. That God will go to every length. He will climb up every mountain. That he will go to the very depths of the ocean to find somebody who would call on the name of the Lord. That God, he is searching and he is looking for somebody who would turn their face and turn their, their, their gaze toward him so that he could respond with mercy. You see the scale that God heeds when it comes to deciding to show mercy or whether to leave a soul to the adversary is quite a question though. Why is there at times, you know, people who they, two people, and I've seen it so often in my 15 years of ministry, different young people, students who I've who have had, or even people, saints in the, in the church that I pastor, people who two of them might fall into the same kind of failure. Two of them who made the you know, same circumstances, same things, and one of them is restored. One of them sticks and clings to God, while the other would fade away, while the other would walk away and give up everything. What What is it that would cause the one to stay and the other to go? What is it about uh, about the disciples of Jesus even? And it's it, we, we see out of the 12 disciples of Jesus that there was, uh, there were, there were those who they denied Christ or they were, they failed Christ at the very worst time to do it. When Jesus was up on that cross, you have, of course, Judas who he sold Jesus out. And you had Peter who was there and he's denying Christ. Now, I, I don't believe that God's, that he could not have forgiven Judas of his transgression. Just the same way that he forgave Peter of his transgression. But there was something about Judas in the direction that he was going that caused him to miss out on the forgiveness of God. Caused him to miss out on on the mercy of God because of the direction that his heart was heading. He was on a trajectory that was away from God whereas Peter even though he made a mistake even though he failed God and denied him he was restored back to God because his heart really was after the things of God please listen to me right now I'll be the first to tell you that there are times when God is good to people who don't deserve it Right, I hear somebody, I hear all of us. None of us deserve God's goodness. None of us deserve God's goodness. That's why it is His grace and mercy. The unmerited favor of God. The unmerited favor. The, the fact that I did not deserve it. I was, that none of us deserve the goodness of God. But, uh, but there are times when, when it seems like God, you could not You could not just sweep that one under the rug, right? 
You couldn't just, you know, allow that one to go. And the, the shortcomings and the failures, they have to at some point, you know, stack up to, to where, to where you, uh, you know, there's a point of no return, but it is, uh, what I can find in scripture as far as I can tell that there is no extent to which God says you have done too much. Now, if you deny the Holy Ghost, if you deny the existence of God, then it says, that there is one sin that is without repentance but that's because you have denied the access to God to be able to come in and draw you back to him you've denied access to him you're you have shut the shut the door on God being able to come into your life and to give you the mercy that he would love to give you it is not God's desire that any should perish it's not God's desire that anyone should go to hell. It's, it is God's desire for heaven to be full to capacity. It's, it's God's desire that heaven would be expanding every day. God wants everyone to make it through those pearly gates and to walk on those streets of gold. That's what God desires. But we do see, we do see people who when they make mistakes, there are, there are those who they would uh, at, at times they would uh, be reconciled back to God and some and somebody else might make a similar mistake and yet they walk away because of that it's everything around them just begins to crumple and and it's it makes me think about that tape measure of God when is it that God is uh, you know how is it that God is measuring uh, you know whether or not somebody would uh, somebody would be drawn back to him. And I have a measure that I go by. It's uh, maybe in Matthew in his recollection of Jesus. He's rebuking the scribes and the Pharisees. And he's saying, fill, up, fill you up the measure of your fathers. There's times when God measures things. Paul, he was talking to the Corinthians. He said, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh that there are things there's a gauge there's a measurement that God determines to show mercy or not to show mercy in my 15 years of ministry as I said I've seen people who they have walked away from God and there are those who have been shown the mercy of God and yet others who have turned their back on God and walked away now I want to dive in I believe this this uh this principle that we see in the old testament can bring this to life for us today. It's this, uh, these cities of refuge. And I, I don't know why, but these, this is such a, a, a vivid illustration in my mind that when I think about the mercy of God, that God, He has always, always been ready to forgive. And I, I hear people that talk about the God of the Old Testament. Now, He was just this angry God that was out for vengeance. And that's not what I read when I read in Scripture. I don't read about a God who all through the Old Testament was uh, was just one, waiting to mete out vengeance and waiting to mete out, you know, uh, all these terrible things on his people. No, he was a very patient, loving God. He was a God who was a merciful God. And we see that through the laws that he had established for his people in, in these cities of refuge that he had set up. And these were cities in that day that um, were connected to a certain law. It was the law that if you were to accidentally take somebody's life, 
This is not for somebody who premeditated, uh, who had premeditated murder and, and on purpose took somebody's life, but perhaps you were working with somebody and uh, scripture even uses this as an example. If you're working up on a roof and a hammer falls off and it hits somebody that you were working with and you accidentally took their life, there was in that day, the law said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And it was quite literal in that sense, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. Even in that mistaken circumstance, it was still a life for a life. And it was the responsibility of the closest of kin of the one who was deceased to come after the person who had killed them. They could come and they could seek out vengeance on them. And they were justified in killing that individual who took the life of their closest of kin. And they were called the avenger of blood. But God set up something in that, in that day for the people to obtain mercy. And it was these six cities of refuge. These cities of refuge were evenly distributed throughout the, the land of Israel. They, they had three on the east side of the Jordan River, three on the west side of the Jordan River, so that they could always reach them very easily. And God's law it instructed that these cities were established as a safe haven for the people who were running away for their life. A safe haven for them to go to. That if they reached that uh, city of refuge, then they could, they could be safe from any kind of consequence. Now, again, this isn't for those who in premeditation had taken somebody's life. But in that, uh, that, that, that accidental manslaughter of, of uh, taking somebody's life, you could go to this city and God, he would give you mercy. Now, we could dive into this so to so many different aspects of this city of refuge. We could go into the, the, the roads on the, on the way as you're traveling there. It's, there were laws about the roads that, uh, you had to have these roads clear of any kind of debris. There was, there were people, it was their job to go and inspect these roads and make sure that no tree had fallen across it. That these roads, they had to have signposts, uh, along them that were always pointing people to get to the city of refuge. Imagine yourself in that situation where you are running for your life. You have somebody who is after you who legally can kill you, but unless you get to the city of refuge and you get to that city, you're going to be safe, but you need a pathway there. And, and they, they made a clear pathway. There was a clear pathway that allowed them to get to the city of refuge. They even had runners that were uh, assigned along those pathways who would come alongside you and encourage you and give you strength and help you on your journey to the city of refuge. We could preach on so many of these aspects of getting to the city of refuge. But what I want to get to today is, is what we read in our, in our opening text of the city and its suburbs. Why would it mention the suburbs? Why would it talk about the suburbs of these cities? Why not just mention these cities by name? There's a reason that the scripture said the city and its suburbs. And that is that the law stated that if a, a person who is running for their life, a person who needs the mercy meted out on them, if they are running towards the city, if they are running towards that city of refuge, and let's say that they are just on that road, 
and they trip and they fall and the avenger of blood catches them. That person, they can slay them legally if they are just on the road. If they are just on the path, they could slay them and they would have no recourse. They wouldn't have nobody, no protection against that. But if they reached the suburbs, if they reached the suburbs of the city, if they are getting close to the city, and they tripped and they fell, and that avenger of blood took out his knife or took out his spear and was about to throw it at them. If that person would just call on the name of the king of that city, the law stated that they were under the protection of that king. That if they got to the suburbs of the city, if they got close, if they are coming to the city, if they are on their way to the city and they tripped and they fell, if they made a mistake, if they stumbled and fell and, and all of a sudden it looks like their life is in danger, then all they had to do was call on the name of the king. And if you venture a blood after hearing the name of that king, if he still went ahead and slew that person, it was the responsibility of the king then. To come after the avenger of blood. It was the responsibility of the king to come. And to make sure that justice was met. You see. We see so many uh, parallels between what physically happened in that day. And what we can apply spiritually for our lives. There's something about heading in the direction of the mercy of God. That God he desires to hand out mercy today. That God desires to give you mercy. That God, He is drawing you. But it matters the direction that you're going. He's looking for somebody who is running to Him. He's looking for somebody who is running to the city. He's saying, don't give up. You reach the suburbs. Don't give up. Come on, new disciple. Come on, if you stumble along the way, I understand. You're just a child. You're just the baby who's, who's trying. Don't you give up because you stumbled and fell. Don't you give up and walk away because it feels like you made a mistake that was too grave. God's mercy is extended to you today. His tape measure, the tape measure of God is extending out to you. And it's saying, come on, come on, keep coming to me. Keep coming to me. This is what God is, he's calling somebody today. God's calling somebody today. He's saying, keep coming to me. I'm, I'm, I'm drawing somebody to me today. I want my mercy to be extended to somebody. I know that there's somebody here right now who you this week have made some mistakes that you're beating yourself up over. And you're saying, I, I don't know if I should keep on going. I feel like a hypocrite. You know what? Every one of us have been there. Every one of us have been there where we say, God, I don't know why you would love me. God, I don't know why you would love me, but let me tell you the tape measure of God. It's going to extend out to you as long as you keep your eyes fixed on him. As long as you keep your eyes fixed on him, the the mercy of God, it is extending to you. That tape measure is coming on out and he's saying, call on my name. Call on my name and I will be there. Call on my name and you'll have my forgiveness. Call on my name and you'll have my protection. Call on my name and I will make sure that my mercy reaches you God cares about the direction that you're going I've seen some people who are supposed to be saved and they say some incredibly stupid things myself included sometimes 
But this much I know about the mercy of God. That if you're still heading towards him. You have your eyes fixed on him. God says, I will cover you with my mercy. I speak to you today. As I said, I'm far from perfect. I make mistakes. We all do. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Let's keep running to Jesus. But there is another side of the story of the cities of refuge that it does strike a certain level of fear. And this is the fear or reverence of God in me. And that is in these cities of refuge, it said once you got into the city, once you had made it into the city, it is your responsibility now to stay in the city. It's your responsibility to stay in there until the high priest dies. If the high priest died, you could be released and no harm would come to you. But as long as the high priest was alive, you needed to stick in the city. Inside those city walls, if you, uh, you had everything that you needed. Everything that you could possibly need was inside those city walls. There was no reason for you to have to go out. You could live your life well inside the city walls. But if your belly just sticked out past the gates of that city for just a few inches, if your nose began to stick beyond the perimeter of that city of refuge, then the avenger of blood could take your life. You hear me today? The suburbs are a great place to be when you're coming towards God. But when you are coming away from God, the suburb is no safe place to be. It's not a place for you to just go and, and, and as a child of God, as somebody who has said, God, I want to live for you. God, I've committed my life to you. It, 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 there, there's something about when you start to walk away from God that now you are in a very dangerous place. You're in a very dangerous place as you begin to go away from God because you never know. Now, 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 am I saying today, don't misunderstand me. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that God can't still save you or that God's mercy doesn't extend to you. But you never know if you're going to return to the city. I've seen far too many young people in my youth, my years of youth ministry who they have started to stray outside the city and they've never made it back. They started to walk outside into the suburbs and they're, they got one foot inside the church and one foot outside the church and, and they're messing around in the suburbs and they never make it back to the city. They never make it back. Now the mercy of God, the tape measure of God, He is still reaching for them, but there's something about that, that story of the prodigal son. But the prodigal son has the father who's waiting at home. And he's there and he's praying. He's hoping my son will return one day. My son's going to return one day. He's lifting him up. He's saying one day my son's going to come back. But the father stayed home. And the father though as soon as he saw his son coming back to him. That father ran as fast as he could to go meet his son on the road. And he's saying my son's coming back. He's headed back the right direction. I see him returning. You see this is what God is doing today. He's saying the direction that you're heading matters. I don't see in scripture. Come on where we have a measurement where God will not extend his mercy to 
but there is something about the direction that we're going that God will wait for you to make that turn and start to head back to him and when you do so he says my arms are wide open I want to I want to welcome you back home and throw a big old party for you so if you're here today if you're here today and you're in the city, come on, let's try. Let's do our very best to stay in the city. I don't want to go out into the suburbs. I don't want to go out and just start to go away from God. My direction matters. My trajectory matters. See, the Bible, it says that Abner was a fool. That Abner died as a fool and uh, I don't have time to dive into all the whole uh, context of what Abner did in order to get to the city of refuge. But this was a man. He was actually uh, one of the captains in David's army. And uh, he had to run to the city of refuge. And mercy extended out to cover his tracks. As soon as he reached the suburbs of that city, he was safe. But he got into the city and he lived there for a time. But one day he left. He stepped a foot outside that city. And he was slain with no recourse. The king of that city lifted up his voice. And he said, Abner died as a fool. What made him a fool? Let me tell you what it was. That when you turn toward God, God shows you mercy. But somewhere along the line, if you decide to turn around and go the other direction. God, somebody, somebody needs to understand that you're making a choice at that moment. To say, God. I want to go the other direction. God will release you. He's a gentleman. God's not going to make you serve him. He's not going to make you serve him now. The measure of God's mercy will still extend to you. He's still calling you by name. He's still that heartbroken father who sees his child walking away from him. I believe that his grace and his mercy can still extend and it can cover your faults and failures that God's mercy can still extend and he he still can cover and you know the things that that you may do and trip and fall and I don't believe that God is here as a God who's just dangling you over hell but God he does want you to stay in the city. That God he says when you're in the city of refuge let's stay in the city. Don't go messing around in the suburbs. Don't go messing around walking away from from me if scripture is correct and I believe it is then it depicts God's view of people differently when they are walking away from him than when they are walking to him I need you to hear the word of the Lord and understand that I've seen God tolerate certain individuals who have struggled for years and I've seen them struggle and make mistakes that they wouldn't get over for years only to see God pick them up and to change them and do some amazing things in their life And then there's others who they say, I'm just going to walk away. And God, and just leave it all behind. See, God, he knows the trajectory of your heart. Keep your heart fixed on Jesus today. Keep your heart fixed on Jesus. Matthew chapter 12. says, when an evil spirit, this is Jesus speaking here. It says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert. It's seeking rest, but finding none. And it says, I will return to the person that I came from. So it returns and it finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. And then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they all enter the person and they live there. 
And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. That is the experience for those whose direction is heading away from God. Their hearts are empty. Their hearts are open. Not to God, but they're open to a litany of trouble. Direction matters. God can still bring you back to Him. It doesn't matter how many times you've walked away. He can still redeem you. But if you're in the city, if you're in the church, can I implore you not to leave? Can I implore you, don't leave the safety of God's city of refuge. You never know if you're going to make it back. I've seen too many who have walked away. God can do it, but He will allow you to walk away if you want to walk away. He can do anything, but He will be like that father of the prodigal waiting for his son to make his way back home. As soon as you make that change of direction, He's he's there. He's going to come back, but you're going to have a whole lot of things that you got to work through then. Direction matters. The tape measure of God is such that there is nothing too hard for the Lord. So we're here today. There are two groups of people that are sitting here in this place today. They're not identifiable by their attendance record. Not identifiable by their clothing, their worship style. They're identifiable by their heart, by their minds. And that's not something that I can see or that you can see, but God sees it. There are two groups. Jesus said, if you love God, then do it with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, your whole strength, everything that's in you. Sell out. Don't do it haphazardly. Don't do it just halfway. Turn your direction towards God. Come towards God. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He says, if you put your hands to the plow, keep on plowing, keep on going. Don't look back. Don't look back. You see, when Lot, you know the story of, of Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot and his wife were heading away, God had told them, don't you look at Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't want you looking back. And when Lot's wife looked back, she turned into a pillar of salt. I don't know if you knew this, but it also tells us that at that same time, just a couple scriptures later, that Abraham looked at Sodom and Gomorrah. Yet he didn't turn into a pillar of salt. He had actually had the same instruction of what God was saying to Lot and to his wife. But yet Abraham, his heart was for the things of God. He was there yearning and hoping, my nephew made it out of the city. I hope that my nephew and his family made it out. He's praying for them. You see, the direction that you're heading, the direction of your heart, it matters. The direction of your heart, it matters. And if you're here today and and, and your heart is fixed on Jesus, can I tell you, come on, keep on coming at him. If you fall down and you make a mistake, get back up and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. If you fall, the grace and the mercy of God, it's extending to you today. If you're here today and you don't know, you don't know if if God could, could ever forgive you, let me tell you, his grace is extending to you today. The tape measure of God, it's not just a little ruler but it's a measurement that's going to go from as far as the east is to the west he will forgive you of whatever you could ever have done in this life that God's tape measure it could cover every sin every situation anything that you might have done in your life God 
will forgive you. God's mercy is great and it is, it is far exceedingly abundantly above anything that you could ever think. The grace of God is great. But he will allow you to walk away. And he's not going to keep on saying, come on, just come back, just come back, just come back. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, it says in Scripture. Same is true with God's children. The spirit, our spirit is subject to us. And you may have the spirit of God. You may be a child of God, but you're still subject to your own self. And you have your own will and your own volition to do and to make the choices that you want to make today. If we could stand in this place and have our musicians come. I want to implore you that if you're heading toward God today, keep it up. If you stumble and if you fall, get back up and keep on going. Tell yourself, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You can do it. With God, all things are possible. But if you find yourself here today less committed to God than you were yesterday. If you find yourself in the direction that you are heading is away from God rather than toward Him. Can I just implore you? Here today to seek God's face once more. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to change your trajectory. Today is the day to say, I'm going to come back and I'm going to come towards you, God. My direction matters, God. I don't want to be heading away from you. I want to be heading towards you. I want to be heading towards the city. God, I want your mercy. God, I want your grace. Today is the day of salvation. Don't play around on the edges of God's grace and mercy. You are his child. He died for you. He loves you. God's here today and he wants to make some things that have laid dormant for a long time to spring to life in you. There's some, there some testimonies of what God is, is, is wanting to do. And, and you, you say, man, I, I don't know. I don't know what, uh, why I've continued to struggle with this, why I've continued to, to go in this cycle. But God is saying, keep your eyes fixed on me because there's coming a season where you are going to see the fruit of, of you staying committed. You know, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's, it's hard to, to go through things in life that, that get us down. But God says stay committed because there's a season coming where I'm going to see. You're going to see the abundance. You're going to see the blessings begin to come out because you stayed committed and you stayed in the city. There's a, there's a place here in the United States. It's called Death Valley. It's the hottest, driest place in America. Nothing grows there because it doesn't rain. That's why it's called Death Valley. The National Weather Service reports the record high temperature in Death Valley is 134 degrees. It's the highest temperature ever recorded on earth. As an average yearly rainfall just below two inches. But in the winter of 2004 and then again in the winter of 2016, it rained in the Death Valley. There were seven inches of rain in 2004, seven inches of rain that fell in a very short period of time. The next spring, there was a phenomenon. The whole floor of Death Valley was carpeted in flowers for a while. 
What it proved is this. Death Valley isn't dead. It's dormant. Right below the surface are the seeds of possibility that are waiting for the right conditions to come about. And what I've come to tell you today is that there are seeds of possibility right now below the surface of some people. And all they need is a little bit of mercy to be poured out on them. A little bit of forgiveness. A little bit of encouragement to stick with it. A little bit of encouragement to say, come on, I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on pressing on. When you look around and it looks like you're in Death Valley and there's there's nothing to show, God's saying, keep it keep it up. There's some things that are laying dormant that I want to show you that one day there's going to be life that will be springing up. There's going to be life when you keep your eyes fixed on me. When you stay in the city, when you keep your on me come on there may be somebody in this place right now who you came in here feeling like you weren't good enough for God you came in here maybe you felt as though you had never had a true experience with him and you're too far away from God but I want you to know that the God who is in this place right now that God he doesn't care who your parents are He doesn't care what your last name is. He doesn't care what your past is. He doesn't care about any of that. All that He cares about is that you would turn your face towards Him and call on that name of Jesus and say, here I am. Jesus, here I am. And I need your mercy. Jesus, I want to come to you. God, I've been running away for too long. God, my direction has been heading away from you for too long. But God, I today am going to fix my eyes on you. And I'm going to turn my, my face towards you. And God, there's some things that are in my life that it may look right now like it's a desert. But God, you're about to bring them to life. Come on, there's somebody here right now who you're about to see all the blessings of God to be poured out on you. There's somebody here today, there's some saints that are sitting in this church, amen, that you felt dead inside for a long time, but you feel, come on, you, you, you've been been coming to church faithfully still and God's about to pour out his blessings on you because you stuck around because you say I'm not going to walk away see I want to tell you today that his mercies are renewed every morning They're his mercies and his loving kindness they never grow old his mercy there's no beginning to it and no ending to it the God of mercy is here in this place and he wants to rain down his mercies on you today amen if you want if you could make your, your way to this altar right now, if there's if you feel that, that pull from God, if there's somebody here right now who you say, God, I want to commit my, myself to you, God. I want to fix my gaze on you. Amen. If you want to come to an altar or you can just stay right where you're at and just lift up a hand. And God sees you and he knows your heart. As I said, there's two groups of people. And God knows which group you're following right now. If that's you and you're heading towards the city, would you just keep your, keep your trajectory? Would you just say, God, help me. God, help me, Lord, to pick myself up when I fall. God, help me to get on the right track. God, help me, God, to, to, to keep on walking towards you. God, help me to keep on growing. God, help me to, to discern your voice, God, better and better. God, help me, God, to stick on that journey as I come close to you. But if you today find yourself or you've been walking away, would you turn your trajectory towards Him? Would you fix your eyes on Him right now? 
Amen. We're going to sing this song right now. And if you would just lift hands, lift it up.